Eurovision. Welcome to Eurovision, a podcast with a unique Irish perspective on the Eurovision Song Contest. 12 points. Ireland. Oh, Welcome back to the Airvision Podcast. We are here with another busy episode for you, myself, Connor, and Lou, here with you again. Busy episode coming up, Lou. Yeah, yeah. Full to rib. Uh, <laughs> very, very excited for this one. We have a guest. Oh my God. We, we had the good teacups out. <laughs> we had the berries tea. We had the good bickies, lads. You know yourselves. Not as any... Chocolate digestives for this one. Yeah, we're in the now, good room as well. That's all a total lie because we were actually in the podcast studios <laughs> in Dublin <laughs> We were not in one of our homes. Uh, uh. We, they won the only, the amazing, Niamh Kavanagh. Woo! 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 The CV is busting. What a gal. And seams. what a voice. Oh, phenomenal. And what? <laughs> and like, she, she's got crack. Oh, yeah. And she's Irish. Yeah. And she's sound. You said that a few weeks ago and you was like, <laughs> hey, she's Irish. They're Irish. It was when we did the intro to the What Should Ireland Do Next episode. We yes. were using Alex, Tom. Ah, yeah, yeah, Tommy yeah. Tommy yeah. Neal. Yeah. And they're Irish. They're Irish. And they're good crack. <laughs> and they're sound. Hey. Yay. <laughs> uh, all of that bag. and more can be applied to the oh wonderful new cabinet, who you will hear shortly. But yeah, in terms of supporting all things Ireland, Connor, <laughs> we did attend. A ma- can you believe it, guys? <laughs> I went to a sports ball game. <laughs> a sports ball. The Eurovision fan was brought oh. along. I was babysat by Connor. <laughs> At the football game, there were so many men. Oh, yeah. You put up a great... I've never seen that many men in my life. Your TikToks, not your TikToks, your Instagram stories were phenomenal on the Airvision podcast. Did you enjoy them? I did. It was just quite funny. And a lot of you guys did as well. So <laughs> we'll have to do a little... Um, what was your um favorite favorite one? Oh, I think it was the one where we were walking into the stadium and you were like, Connor! And I turned around. I was like, what? And you said something. It was like, oh... How do so, they pick the team? How do they pick the team? <laughs> is it internal? Is it like a national final? And I just looked at you in disgust of like, <laughs> it's like 11 internal selections. <laughs> I was like, nice, good odds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was very good, very good. It was a bit of crap. We lost though, so. <laughs> Listen, we're used to not qualifying. Mm. Hey, <laughs> self-deprecation. Oh uh, my God. Although, in fairness, we had some sporting success. The rowers did well at the weekend. Oh. Uh, Paul Dunn and his rowing partner. And the rugby match, yeah. the first rugby world cup match yeah. was great. What was it? 82, 
Eight. Yeah, they smashed them. Is it? So we'll be hoping Saturday will be a, a repeat against Tonga. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. 82 points though. Yeah, that's a lot. But we, we, we were talking about this. We have this Rugby World Cup kind of, it's not a curse, but you know, we do well. And then like we're number one in the world. Like people say we're going to win, but you can't really say we're going to win. You know, you got to be careful. Yeah, you don't want I don't think we just burn back. out, do we? Like when we actually get yeah. to the main stage. We get tired. Didn't we say something though? More, more the 82 points, more points than we've had combined <laughs> yeah. for recent years. In the yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, can the rugby lend us a few points <laughs> there, please? <laughs> Lads, can you give us a few points <laughs> there, please? And thank you very much. Come on, rugger buggers. <laughs> you know you love Eurovision. <gasps> oh, there God. must be some crossover in the Eurovision rugby community. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's someone out there that will. There is. Oh, there God. is. Um, Mark. You know, Mark. Who? Kira's Mark. Oh. You know Mark? Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, Mark, God. hello if you're listening. He's probably <laughs> listening being like, I love rugby in Eurovision. There you go. See, there's a crossover for everything. There you go. I think he's a rugby coach. No, the thing is, right, what what I think about Eurovision. You went very British there. You, went, you know, the thing is, right, <laughs> that's very good. You went like all GC there. How dare you oh. tell me I sound British. Oh. That is the, the highest insult. <laughs> I don't fraternise with oh. those people. <laughs> oh, I've offended now. I'm in the bad books, lads. <laughs> if you I'm don't hear joking, from me, you know what's happening. British listeners, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, going on a complete tangent here. But yeah, I was going to say, the great thing about Eurovision fans is that 99% of the time, we all have other eclectic interests. Yeah. So I have noticed, right, online that there's a huge crossover between Eurovision and Formula One fans, mm-hmm. of which I'm a fan of both, and also Eurovision and tennis, of which I'm a big fan of both. And also um travel and like kind of travel vloggers and uh travel bloggers. I notice a lot of Euro fans follow the same ones as me. Mm-hmm. Uh we all seem to be obsessed with airports and planes to some Flight extent. Radar a lot 24. Of us. I bloody love that app. Yeah. Literally any time like a, a close friend, acquaintance, colleague of mine is going anywhere, I'm like, what's your um, your flight number there? <laughs> but even like a noisy plane over the house, it's like, oh, I wonder where enough. they're going. It's usually like the military corps. Yeah. It's decent. I love when it's like a private jet and it's come from like Monaco. Mm. And you're like, who is in that? <laughs> and how do I get in there? What are you what doing over my house? What <laughs> do I need to go to to meet these people? There you go. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe it's um, maybe it's Martin Ostadol off to do some important DBU business. Off to Berlin for the workshop that they were all at this week. Oh, from Paris to Berlin and never discovered <laughs> That would be such a good Eurovision song. I feel like that's like core like nineties. Really, been like a good Eurovision song. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Connor. Complete tangent. Complete tangent. Yeah. Uh, one last thing on support. Also, speaking of support of Ireland and such, before. We get on to the main event of this episode. Uh, just a quick thank you to everybody who supported us on Buy Me A Coffee in the last few weeks. So, so appreciated. And we are going to give some shout outs to you all towards the end of this episode. So, Gur of Nidal Thank mm-hmm. you all again. Thank you so much, guys. Yep. So, without further ado, will we get into it? Ooh. The big event, the main event. Ooh. Earlier in the summer, we sat down with the one and only Neve Kavanagh to discuss everything Eurovision related. It's a great chat. We hope you enjoy with it in the podcast studios. And it was lovely to work with you guys. So thank you so much thank for you having Dan us. Thank you, and everybody. 
So here we go. Here's our interview with Neve Kavanagh. Everybody, listeners of the Airvision podcast, we are so absolutely chuffed. Connor and I are in the podcast studios in Dublin City Centre with the one, the only, Neve Kavanagh. That'd be me, national treasure number us. one. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> number one of, of many, of many. Um, Neve, we met you in the British Embassy in April at the Eurovision party and we just had to have you on. Okay, how swanky were we, first of all? Oh. Like, I mean, bit out you of know. Depth. I was, I was, a bit, oh, I was in a dress. On? The last time I was in a dress was 2010. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not entirely true, but it's, it feels true. <laughs> I know, I know Linda always makes me wear the dress. But anyway, apart from that... You know, I don't wear dresses very often, so you, you met me at a very vulnerable moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you looked beautiful and you sounded beautiful as well. Thank you performed you. on the night as well, so yeah. you, you, you were flawless as usual. So, oh. <laughs> Connor, I might take you on road with me. <laughs> Actually, the very least, I'm going to bring you home to make sure you say that to my children and my husband. Oh, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> just to remind them, just in case they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if flawless comes into their mind very often. <laughs> Neve, you have such a rich history with the Eurovision Song Contest, mm. but what is your earliest memory of the contest? Okay, my earliest memory, uh, I don't know, it's, you know, to be honest, I think my very earliest memory is sitting up on the back of a sofa in Ballymun, where we lived at the time in the flats, and I was aged all of six. And if I tell you that I was born in 1968, would that give you my first memory? God. Are you Eurovision fans at all? What happened in 1974? ABBA. 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 Waterloo's <laughs> my very first. I was there wow. roaring at the TV, you know, and I remember that because I remember the sofa. It was like purple and it was kind of high on the back because I wasn't allowed to sit on the bottom part because I have two older sisters. They were obviously the boss of that situation. And I just remember being captivated by this fantastic thing. And... um. Of course, after that, then we watched, you know, uh, different ones because we're allowed to stay up late for the Eurovision. There was certain ones you were allowed to stay up for Eurovision, Rosa Tralee. Um, we didn't stay up for the FA Cup final because, quite frankly, you know, they were all girls. <laughs> Nobody's interested in that. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what we stayed up late for. We used to do the voting. And so as the years progressed on into the late 70s, obviously, I have memories I remember the Israel went in twice. I remember, you know, the, they're very momentous moments. I remember, you know, uh, Johnny Logan winning and Jay Healy with that mad suit. I have so many memories that I grew up in. And I still remember that moment when Johnny won and that feeling of, 
holy God, we could do that. Imagine, imagine we could do that. Like, <laughs> so it's just like, if, you know, it's just Eurovision has always been part of my life. Did I ever think I was going to be part of Eurovision? I'm sure that's on your list there somewhere. Yeah. The, the answer is no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think so. But, you know, there you go. Who knew? God. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd been asked before as well. In previous years before 93. Oh, yeah. To enter, no, so. yeah, I did. Uh, to be fair, just to give you a kind of a general gist, I started singing on the scene, you might say. I joined a wedding band when I was 18. I sang in the choirs before that and all the all the classical stuff. So I got thrown out of that community, obviously, when I joined a band. That's the thing that happened now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the thing is, in school, it was mostly in choirs and things. I didn't come up in stage school or anything. But I did a, a show in the Benevin thing and I met this band of players who... Um, needed a singer for the night and so I went and blew the speakers because I'd never used a microphone before and so I did the gig and I did weddings for two years I did dance band for two years and then I did the commitments and so that kind of made me stop and think you know maybe I should be taking this a bit more seriously because I loved singing I was gigging every night and working during the day keeping a good job because that's very important (laughs) and uh, so what happened was I was known on the scene but not necessarily in the public and so a lot of people would have songs that they'd written and they would come to me and say, will you sing this for me? Now, I had already been doing a lot of recordings for people. Actually, I did quite a few here in Western Row and then in people's garages and things like that back in the day in order to get experience in studios because I was just really intrigued by it. And so I'd already been recording people's demos of their songs. So it was I was quite well known for being a voice for hire. I suppose half the time I did it for nothing, but don't tell anybody (laughs) that. And, um, you know, because I just loved to sing. And every year uh, previous for a few years, someone would come and say, I have this song for Eurovision. I'd be like, I get grand. Because not that I didn't think songs are good, but they weren't really for me. And also because at that point, especially when I did Commitments and I was working with Bill Beelan and I was working with, you know, in, in a kind of a different genre and I was doing a lot of soul and I was doing just, it just didn't feel like it was a fit. Um, so really until Jimmy brought the song and there's quite a story behind that, but if, when this, I'm sure you've heard it a million times, but until Jimmy brought that song, I think that was the first time I actually considered that that would be a good thing. And my mother's very involved in that decision too because she said, what's the worst that can happen? You go on TV one night and sure, what does it matter? Exactly. And she was right, you know, and Jimmy then also said, you can do what you want with this, you know, because I think people sometimes have a funny experience with, not experience, relationship with Eurovision mm. until you go mm. and then you, you, you want to go all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? It's it, you, you think it's one thing, but it isn't actually until you get, when you get there, you make it what you want. But it is this thing, this place you live, you go and you move into it while you're there. And it's wonderful while you're there. It's like, to me, it's like running away to the circus or going to your favorite auntie's house. It can be a bit crazy when you get in there. You don't know she's going to be wearing her pants on her head. You don't really care because you love it while you're there. Mm-hmm. But you don't have, I mean, I couldn't live there all the time. That I find that very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but I love to visit. It's one of my favorite things to visit. But because I only visit, I keep my joy in it. You know, mm-hmm. and it's 30 odd years now. And it is 30 odd years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it's, I, would you have said that I would have been as iconic in it since? I don't know. It's really strange to me that it's still there, you know, yeah. given the gift that keeps on giving, as yeah. we all say. <laughs> and we've heard so much about, you know, your your win in 1993 and mm-hmm. your experience around it. And I mean, there's so much to unpack. Do you have a standout memory from that night in Mill Street when you won? 
had many standouts, you see. It depends on what stage of the day you're talking about. You know, I, I know this seems very strange, but if you have to think like, it's very bizarre because this year I think I've revisited it more thoroughly because obviously yeah. I get asked every year, but in particular this year, there's been a lot, lot of anniversary. A lot of, you know, here, do you want to see what you look like 30 years ago? <laughs> Shall we just remind you how skinny you were and you thought you were fat then? You know, it's, it's those kind of things. It, it, it's funny and... The standout memories at different styles of the day, the time when I forgot my laminate and I had to go to the loo and the toilets were outside and I had to go get somebody to get my laminate because they couldn't let me back into the green room. That sounds God. so Ireland, isn't doesn't it? it? No, it's proper security. <laughs> it's what happens in Eurovision. If you don't have your laminate, you can't get in. That's it. And that poor boy, he was standing there looking at me going, I know who you are. You're dressed as the girl. <laughs> you know, you've gone a long Why way to... Why were the toilets outside? Well, they weren't outside, right? <laughs> Well, they technically were I'm because it's too Mill much Street. About this barn house. Yeah, Mill no, it's Street. Mill Street. It was, it was a, it was a show jumping arena. It yes. really was. They dropped, they dropped the floor. They did the whole thing. It was Crazy astonishingly how amazing. Yeah. And all of the green. So if you think about it, all the dressing rooms and all that sort of stuff, and then all the changing rooms or all the little cubicles, I suppose, which is what they are. Mm-hmm. And don't care. I've been to Oslo now, and I know that it's the same. The point was the same, basically. Whenever the, the, the your space is your space and they make mm. it up with little fabricated things. So you just have a space that was all kind of not so much out the back, but it was kind of near the back. I don't know how much of it was actually out the back. And then they had this giant green room because the back then the green room wasn't in the room. Mm-hmm. OK, so the green room was out the back. That's where we were. And so there was a security point between the you know, there was so, there was so, so there was still would have been security before that. Obviously, you wouldn't have just you wouldn't Walked have been in. able to wander in. <laughs> Although as journalists, maybe so far. <laughs> but you would have clearance to say here and then the dressing rooms and all that were there. And then say the makeup people, they wouldn't necessarily have had clearance to go beyond that. Mm. So, you know, it depends. You had clearance. I obviously had the full clearance because, you know, I needed it. I had to get on the <laughs> stage. But, you know, it, that so that memory is kind of strong and it's funny to think mm. of that poor boy looking at me going I know who you are <laughs> but I can't let you in uh, and then the other thing later on was waiting to go on stage and I was very calm because well there was nothing but love in that room do you know what I mean really home crowd, home crowd yeah. like yeah. and I was standing at the side and there was kind of um, a load of uh, stand of people up right beside me where I was waiting to go because the way the stage was right across the top there were people you know sitting either side and this side on the right hand side a few people spotted me waiting to go out and they passed me down things to sign so I was signing autographs before I was like that's okay (laughs) and then I went out on stage did a thing and and when I walked onto the stage, of course, it was huge response. Mm. Like it was huge. It was a big deal. And then I looked out and I'm short sighted. So all I could see was uh, Tom, who was the floor manager. And he just gave me the thumbs up. Ah. And I went, that's great. So we did it. And Noel and I were, no Keelan, uh, yeah. and I were worried because the, the song is three minutes and seven seconds. I'm sure you've checked that out <laughs> on the CD and a cassette of old days. Uh, so we had to bring it in under three minutes. So we had to play it slightly faster. So it was, oh, oh, we'd have been penalised. So both of us were hoping that we were going to get that right. <laughs> and so when we got to the end and I'd hit the, the notes that 
everybody's going, is she going to do it? Um, there's that moment of relief and you're going, oh, that's great and great response. And I walked off the stage and then fell in a light box. So that's another moment. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, you know, you're not paying attention. So then I and we all laughed about that. Guffaw, guffaw. Went out the back. That was lovely. Hobbled a little bit. But I went out the back. Luckily, I wasn't in the very high heels yeah. that I wore in 2010. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so I went out into the back. And so these are all key moments. I remember them. I remember sitting in the green room waiting with the votes. The votes come in. We were doing well and then it dipped down a little bit in the middle and then it started to really get very exciting. And the more exciting it got, the more people came around me, which freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, freaks me out. And then so these are all key moments. I remember my hairdresser saying to me, Paul Drumgool, who I brought down with me, I think I'm having a heart attack. I remember that. I remember seeing Evan Lunny, my makeup person over there trying to come at me with powder because <laughs> after the win, but nobody could get near me. I remember somebody taking, you know, knocking my earring out. I just remember thinking at the eye of this mad storm that was going on around, I have to sing this song again. Mm. That's what I remember most I about the professional. that moment. So I was walking out and I was thinking, right, I have to do that. But they, because, and I've said this many times, they don't tell you what to do when you win. I completely missed the uh, uh, trophy giving and all that, but it wasn't for me anyway, it was for Jimmy. So I actually went over to the orchestra, so I'm not in any of the visuals for the <laughs> I'm over here <laughs> and the orchestra are crying because <laughs> they said, can we go home now? You know, it's like all that. And I just remember the, the they're all key moments. I remember going out the back and they'd let my family in and that was very emotional. And then I remember wanting to go to the fun party, but I had to go and see Albert Reynolds. I was oh, less, less pleased <laughs> about casually, that. You know? Not an offense, no offense to Albert Reynolds, but he was a nice enough fella. But the crack was happening in the town. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going on the bus back to uh, the to Europa, where we stayed in Killarney. Got on a load with a load of fans who nearly fainted because they weren't expecting <laughs> me to get on. And we sang "In Your Eyes" all the way home, whether uh. I liked it or not, which was lovely. And then I remember sitting on the side of my bed at five o'clock in the morning, going. Have I clean clothes? Because I had a, a press conference at half seven in the morning or whatever. Jeez. And I didn't, I was so unprepared for the win uh, because, we, you know, we owned the song because nobody would record it. You know, so we we were just like, what the hell? We printed 250 copies of this song and, you know. So lots of key moments. It's very yeah. hard to pick the thing. Yeah, of course. You know, so there's lots of moments that you can see them like little photographs in your head happening to nearly someone else. But they all happened and maybe not in the public consumption. But I still remember the look on my mum's face when I saw her and how I felt oh, when God. I saw her. And I remember I just I just remember so much. I remember Jimmy and how excited he was, you know, and, and the experience of everyone in it and the, the crew who are delighted with themselves because they put on a, such a great show in very challenging circumstances because mm. it wasn't set up for it in any way and they did an amazing job so there was a general sense that everybody won it wasn't you know I was the face of it you might mm-hmm. say or the voice of it but the simple truth is everybody won that year it felt like the whole country won and that's the vibe I got from the whole thing and everybody I meet even since in 30 years the thing I love the most is they tell me their story it's never about me mm-hmm. <laughs> they always start off and they say oh, you were on the stage and I and then they go and that and that's the best part about my Eurovision win because that's what it's about they're they related to something that was happening in their lives and how I added to that moment or took away which happened to some wedding receptions but we won't talk about that <laughs> but you know what I'm saying it's yeah. like 
imagine being catapulted into people's lives like yeah. that. Just a pivotal moment. It doesn't matter if I ever touch it again. Just in that moment, the minute they see me, that's where they go back to. And yeah. that, isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's yeah. lovely. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's very Irish as well. Yeah, yeah I, I was just going to say Irish people are really proud. Oh. We really back people, especially when they win. Yeah. <laughs> they back winners. And then when other countries say we're good, they're mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest now, we could have that conversation. With them, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> we just want the backup. I'm really interested to hear about you're in your hotel room at 5 a.m. and you're yeah. thinking about, oh, do I have clean clothes? But yeah. what's the... Like, how long did it take for it to sink in that I've actually won the Eurovision Song Contest? Did it take a few weeks, a few days, a few hours, or was it still really... I'm not even sure I've sung it now, to really? be honest. So sometimes, <laughs> so sometimes I forget, because I don't live there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know how Never to play lied. the returning queen. It's yeah. not a thing. You know, you know I like to come in and play that game. But the, it's... You know, what's really interesting about this, because we brushed over the fact that I was in 2010 as well you know 1993 and 2010 and I whenever I sing the songs or I talk about them I talk about the fact that I won one and I didn't win the other but they felt about the same to me I don't know the win is amazing it is amazing no one will ever take that away and uh, you know to be a part of something so momentous that everybody felt is a brilliant thing um, and it is an amazing achievement, but I live in the moment of what I'm doing at all times as best I can. It's kind of funny considering how often I'm I need to refer to things yeah. in the past. I'm not 100 percent sure I ever sat and went, I won the Eurovision. <laughs> I sometimes say it to people to annoy them, but I don't. <laughs> I don't um, experience it the same way. I, I, it's very hard for me to explain that. Yeah. I'm very proud of it. But I think of the whole unit rather than just me, because mm -hmm. actually Jimmy wrote the song. Brendan Graham and I and Jimmy were paid to record it. Frank McNamara arranged it. Noel Keelhan conducted it. Mm. The orchestra played it. The TV crew. To me, it's a whole thing. I might be the physical representation, but the reality is everybody won. Yeah. Mm. So to me, that's that that's the feeling of that year for me. Same with 2010. It, we didn't win, but we actually achieved something really beautiful mm -hmm. on the night. Yeah. And so to me that's your job done, you know. And so I feel just as elated of that. I mean, to be honest, qualifying felt like winning. But, you know. and Especially uh, in that time of Ireland's yeah, time of Eurovision. Yeah, but there, was a, there was a little patchy time in there. But, you know, the reality is every year I get asked the same question, right? Is, what can we do, Niamh? Is it on your list? It is. Yeah. <laughs> what can we do? We'll get to it in a minute, yeah. right? But, but I got to the point where um, I was thinking... I, I keep saying the same kind of things about it. I think we have to stop chasing it. Mm. I think people are constantly chasing the win, right? And, you know, are we are we in need of the win? The win is perfect. Of course we want to win. Mm -hmm. We want to do well. Mm -hmm. We want to represent ourselves on the mm -hmm. stage well. And yet, I would argue that certain factors are not getting supported. The arts themselves are not getting supported. Writers are not getting supported. Artists, they're not getting encouraged to feel that this is a thing to be proud of being involved in. Mm -hmm. And 350 million people watch me win. That's like, my brain hurts thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. You know, I go to America and, and I tell people that's how I got my record deal or whatever. And they're like in shock because they've never done that, mm -hmm. yeah. nor will they probably ever have the opportunity. The reality is how people view the Eurovision is a difficulty. Mm. I think once we encourage young artists to see it as a positive thing and not only that, just stop trying to make them be the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, let them be who they are. Exactly. And yeah. let the public go, that's, we would be delighted to see that go. Yeah. How exciting. And isn't it great they're doing it? You know, we sit and we talk about, you know, oh, we shouldn't go to Eurovision. People talk about that all the time. And no, we're wasting our money going to Eurovision. When the uh, sports teams are not doing so well, exactly. we don't have that conversation. That's what we say all the time. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, so, it suits people when it suits them. It you know? suits them, it suits them. They're, yeah. they're not looking for reasons to not go. Exactly. What they're doing is they're looking for reasons to see how we can do this better. And that's where we should be. Yeah. The problem is people don't view the arts the same way. And that's a whole other soapbox that I could be yeah. on. But the reality is the arts are what make us human. Yeah. And without it, it's important to be seen on the stage. And this is one of the few in the arts world that we are actually on it. So, we, you know, and Eurovision is enormous. Like, it's enormous. We may not think it, but you go abroad and you don't mm-hmm. understand yeah. how big it is. Yeah. Like, it's so big. But look, um, I think realistically, if I was to say what I want from Eurovision, I just want us to look at someone to go in and say, I love singing this song. Yeah. This is a great song. This is what I want. And this is the way I want to sing it. Mm. You know, and when I went back in 2010, I just wanted to prove that you could just go and sing a song. Yeah. And we did it and we did it well as a group, Team Cabinet, as we used to call it, because there were so <laughs> many cabinets on the stage. But, you know, the reality is, you know, that was the point of it. It wasn't, Niall Mooney came with the song and the guys, and I, I really liked the song. that I hummed and hawed. I prefer it. I know. I prefer it. Oh. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Mm. I'm okay. I love both of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love both of them. And I love the people, because it depends when you came. Yeah, yeah. As a person, yeah. You know your first memory because you're too young, Connor. (laughs) I remember. I remember going into Golden Discs in Salorgan, which is no longer there. And I remember it was my first CD that I ever bought was the Eurovision album that year. And I remember being in the car all the time, rewinding to 2010. 2010, rewinding to. How old are you, Connor? Are you going to impress me now? Twenty three. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> but I love In Your Eyes as well, but it's for you. I always no, hold, your, it your holds a true memory to me. Your experience is not 1993. Mm-hmm. This is the joy for me, right? Yeah. Think about it, right? 1993 is a win. So I'm now in the echelons, I'm going to say. And believe me, in 2010, being a returning winner was a nice thing. Mm, I say so. The fans <laughs> were delighted, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and it makes you think, but actually, you know, the, it doesn't matter. You know, people often say, oh, how do you feel about the fact it doesn't one doesn't take away from the other yeah. and actually I didn't perform badly on either of them so therefore what have I got to be embarrassed about nothing, nothing you yeah. can't control what happens beyond that sorry I'm away again <laughs> but the thing about it is I love the fact that 2010 brought me a whole group of new people who knew who had a relationship with me mm-hmm. right not just a distant memory of a distant me- winner which is in its a, itself a thing I had a, a tangible thing and actually a lot of young people really got into Eurovision around the time that I was there. So even though I was this old doll kind of racking up, the thing is people kind of got what I was doing and liked it. And it did as much for me in my career as 1993 did. And when you're talking there between 1993 and 2010, Mm -hmm. and I'm delighted you mentioned it because we were dying to ask you about 2010 as well. Yeah, It's cross-generational, isn't it? Like a new generation, like it could be people's children then seeing you who saw you in 93. Yeah. And... You know, it's a unique experience to return to Eurovision, particularly as a winner, to return. What would you say were the major differences? I'm sure there was many between the competition in the early 90s into the 2010s. Okay, well, there's 
couple of major differences. The first of all is the length of time you're there. That's a long time. Mm. And you may think it's only the three minutes that you're on, but actually... Oh, no, it's the... It's like... <laughs> a lot of people don't realise that about Eurovision. All the Eurovision shows beforehand though. and the family shows. Yeah. And then, of course, the semi-finals. The rehearsals. And competing. It's like, well, because we were the second semi-final, we did basically eight shows in a row. Now, you might say, you're only doing three minutes, Neve. It's not oh, what you're doing. Yeah. You're constantly on. You have to be on it for that three yeah. minutes. Let me tell you, the preparation for that is not easy. And, you, you know, that you're physically there for two entire days, four entire days in that situation. So by the mm. time I hit the last night, I was like, I wrecked. <laughs> you know, I was 42. I was older. I mean, I was, you know, still fit enough. But the, but what I'm saying is it it. It is a different thing. There's a lot more people, obviously, a lot mm-hmm. more countries involved and you came across them. I went across Europe more before 2010, obviously, than in 93 because you weren't allowed to release anything before 93. So very different. Mm-hmm. That didn't matter to me. I went across to loads of TV, uh, loads of uh, concerts, met brilliant people from other delegations. God, the Greeks nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> they were amazing. You know, we had we had a lovely time and we got to know people very much the Eurovision spirit yeah. of everybody. You know, you go into Eurovision and you think, oh, maybe this person will win. But the reality is by the end of it, if you're there long enough, you think everybody's going to win because mm-hmm. you get you become familiar and fond and all of that. And then so the, the difference is the length of time. Without a doubt, yeah. right? It is definitely the length of time and the energy involved in it. But actually, the spirit of it is the same. And yes, the staging is slightly different. The mm. biggest difference, of course, is the lack of orchestra. Yeah, yes. did you miss the orchestra? I did. But then yeah. if you, I mean, I didn't work with tracks until 2010, right? So I never worked with tracks up until then. I, apart from on TV, obviously, when you would have to turn up with your little uh, it's this tiny little cassette. It wasn't even a cassette. It was a proper thing. You used to turn up a dash, it was called, I think. And I still have all the original ones I went around Europe with. I keep everything. You have no idea. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> but, you know, I keep everything. I have all my old itineraries from 1993 in a big box upstairs. They're probably like look like nothing because they're all faxes. So you can imagine uh, they're all, you know. But the thing is, I have so much stuff from then and 2010 and all the, the itinerary was different for the few months beforehand. But in 1993, I was doing 14 interviews a day from winning the Eurosong. I was doing a lot of work while still keeping a good job in the bank. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is the differences are much more global, actually. Weirdly, it's much more global now. Yeah. And but my argument is, yes, I miss the orchestra because I love to play with live musicians and will always make that choice if I can. Mm. But I recognize that that's not the way the world is necessarily. And therefore, I am glad things have changed, not mm. because I want the orchestras gone, but because I think if we don't change, Eurovision will die. Mm-hmm. And mm. we definitely don't want that to happen. Yeah. So you have to reflect what's happening now. It might not be your thing. Might You know, you'll always have that. Oh, it's not as good as it yeah, used to be. Yeah. Believe me, they used to say that back to me in 1993. <laughs> you know, uh, people used to say, oh, Eurovision, that's not as good as it used to be. It's not a new conversation. Yeah. It's, a, it's you know, it's easier to be all rose tinted glasses looking back over wasn't it amazing when we were yeah. doing really well it was and the energy was wonderful and I got an amazing response but I also got a huge amount of conversation about how uncool it was yeah. and you know how did I feel about my career being over and, and thankfully at 55 I'm going I'm going to find you and ask you that question now <laughs> but you know it's it's a, it's an interesting experience people have with your yeah. vision mm. but what I find now and in 2010 since is that there's a renewed energy in people 
because we can't seem to find the mark with it for whatever reasons, and it might not be anything other than it's just not the zeitgeist that year. It can be a million things. You Sometimes you kind of go, I thought that would have done better. But, you know, you can be 11th on everybody's list and not yeah, get a single point. Exactly. We we know that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been on the juries a few times. I've done quite a few things within Eurovision. So you can see why that can happen. And it looks on the face of things that you haven't done well, but you have. Mm-hmm. You just haven't really hit the space with people. Yeah. And if there's enough going on, you know, if there's, but you generally find the, the top songs are songs worthy of being there. Yeah. You know, they are. Your your song, I guarantee you, your song choice will be in there somewhere mm-hmm. in the top ones, regardless of the situation. The difference is it depends on how many people agree with you that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's a wonderful thing about Eurovision. Whether you like it or not, that's what makes Eurovision sustain itself. Because if the same thing or the same people are winning all the time, you'd be rounded off like Absolutely. There's no other country going to do what we did, right? Yeah. Yes, I know Sweden beat <laughs> we could the elephant in the room. But no, no, there's no elephant. <laughs> I'm delighted with Sweden. I, I was on the jury this year, uh, not last year. But no, you know, there was a moment last year because I thought her song was great last yeah, year. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, right? yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, oh, forgive for this. No, but actually, I could see you singing that, Neve. Oh, well, it might happen yet. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, the, you know, the interesting thing about it, right, is I have no fear of Sweden. Sweden can surpass us. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. No other country will win three times in a row. That won't happen. It's mm-hmm. nearly physically impossible now. Yeah. I don't know what stars would have to align. I, I don't even know what stars aligned to happen the yeah. first time. Yeah. But it did. And so it was such a unique thing. And But actually, apart from anything else, people have an affili- affiliation with it. We have an affiliation with it. Mm. We will always be known as that country. For a long time, we held it. Sweden were always going to catch us because, quite frankly, they are dominating this competition for a long time because yeah. they take their songwriting and their performances very seriously and their selection is very yes. well. It's completely different. Another <laughs> elephant in the room, that one. I know, but you know you know what I'm talking about. It's all yeah. really important. They're all important things, mm-hmm. but they, they were always going to catch us. But that does not take away from what we have achieved as such a small country. And I think the soon as we stop chasing and really find who we are as artists and support artists, then you'll see some magic. That's what I think. Absolutely. You know, that's what that's how I feel. So that answers that other question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned there about being on the jury. Uh, yeah. You announced the results for Ireland in, I the, did. in the final. And I remember being in we the were arena. Very excited we were there. Give me good blue dress. <laughs> That they put me in 10 minutes beforehand. How is that, of course, like delivering Sweden 12 points? Oh, loved you know. it. Loved it. <laughs> but also the little Sonia comments that Graham made. How did you feel about that? I didn't mind that because I made a little comment myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I meant it well. Yes. A bit of Irish banter going on there. <laughs> you know, it, it's you would be understood that you kind of tuned into that yes. interval act and you'd be saying, who won that? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in that room knew who won it when exactly. I came on. Yeah. That was yeah. all that mattered. Yeah. I laughed a bit about it. You know, actually, I was pleased to see her. You know, I, I don't know Sonia. I met her twice. Well, once, actually. Did you say that you got a photo with her because people were claiming you could have been the same person? Yeah, it was a joke. It was a media thing. Do you know, I mean, you, basically, they say, oh, two redheads, but they're never in the same room at the same time. Well, go for, go for, go for. So there was this thing, and there was a photo set up, right, of the two of us. And not, she didn't know why she was there. I knew why I was there, but I didn't, you know. The thing is, we just were standing. It was one of those things. We were put together. That is the sole amount of time I spent with Sonia. That's it. I'd never got to chat to her. We weren't allowed to stay in the same hotel. 
because of security reasons back then you weren't right. there was yeah. lots of those things going on and uh, because obviously it's before the Google Friday agreement so there was uh, we weren't the only countries that had to be yeah. segregated it was just the way it was and so I never met Sonia I have never met her since right never and that's amazing in itself yeah. I've never come across her since and you know I bear no ill will because it could have easily been the other way around and, mm. and it would have been grand and you know she brought Simon Cowell who then went back and told his boss that they should have me on the label and then we charged him a lot of money for the single and it was all worked out well um, you know so Sonia to me is this arch nemesis that everybody keeps saying but actually she's she, I don't know her. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She, I, everybody says, oh, she's lovely. And yeah. I said, I'm sure she is. <laughs> I've just never met her. I knew loads of people on my year. We had a yeah. lovely time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I met them all. The Norwegian girl, of course, was sitting beside me in the green room. So we had a lovely chat. So I was a mammy even by back then. I kind of said, I'm everybody's mammy. I loved her. Um, you know, and I met lots and lots of people over the time, different delegations, because you went to all everybody else's parties, but I never saw her at them. But I'm not saying she wasn't there. It's just, it's just She's never crossed paths. The nature yeah. of it, you know, and people would make most of that because obviously it's important. And, and as I say, not in the same room at the same time. <laughs> I think there might have been a law against representing two countries at the same time. <laughs> just me. But, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'd have given it a shot. Oh, I'd <laughs> love to see you. I think you'd have a great time doing that, Neil. Oh. You know. the arms around. <laughs> yeah, is she? I, I, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, is what? What? Get since my bit. No, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I could do it. I, you, you know, I don't. I don't ever see me represent any other country, right? Let's be honest, right? You know, the joy the of girl. being involved in the Irish. Yeah, the girl. Yeah. I, you know, Ireland. I know I live up the north, right? But actually, Ireland has been my home. Really, one way. That's very controversial to say that. But, you know, I, I love, love to represent in Ireland. It's just. It's such a lovely way that people approach me afterwards. And and to be honest, before that, nobody had a clue. Like they sang around along. Everybody sang. And you don't know this, Connor. You don't know this. You're so young, Louise. You too, because you're young. Right. Let me tell you. Slightly not as young, but yes. The commitments was enormous. It was huge. It was nominated for a Grammy. We went to I went to Los Angeles. I sang with Bette Midler. I went I sang on the Grammys in 92 look it up on the YouTube right there I am in my black stock nobody knows who the hell I am because Maria Doyle Kennedy played the part in the exactly, movie yeah. but she didn't go travelling so I got to go and do all these amazing things you were things. the voice of the commitments well I was know. one of the voices there's lots of voices yeah. I sang three main songs at the beginning so in other words for the first 20 minutes of the, song, the movie there's only one voice you hear and that's mine right so Destination Anywhere Nowhere to Run do right woman, do right man. That was the one that surprised me. I didn't think they were going to use that one. That's the one where he's bringing the, the horse into the, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's bringing the horse into the lift and your man says, you're not taking him up the lift. He says, well, the stairs will kill him. Right, so it's a great <laughs> joke. Go and watch the movie, it's great. Anyway, so the thing is, I did not expect that amount. So I had all these people in the industry who knew me, but not a single person in the world. I was singing on ads. You, were, you would have been hearing me singing ads like Mr. Gravy Granules <laughs> and um, don't miss the boat the great tasting gravy adds so much more air and gravy rich do, 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 do. yeah yeah wow. a lot of gravy in my life <laughs> a lot of gravy in my life anyway but the, but actually who did I record that with Bill Whelan wow oh, okay. right. full who, circle yeah. yeah John Hughes uh, was the musical producer who went on to manage the chorus and all that. Mm. John Hughes introduced me to Bill Whelan and he said, you're looking for a voice. This girl's really sharp. She's, you know, she's really not sharp, obviously, without me, me out of June. But I mean, she's quick. She's, she's got a great voice. You'll 
user a lot. So Bill then asked me to come and do a few things. We did some sessions together. He was doing a project in the Abbey. He needed some free voices. I said, absolutely, because I had a good job in the bank. I didn't have to work. <laughs> and so I met Bill and then Bill was talking to Brendan Graham, who needed a voice for Glinsk Song Contest, which is a tiny song contest. Great wee song contest up in uh, Mayo somewhere. somewhere Ross like Common, that. is Ross it? Common, yeah. could be. Uh, somewhere over there anyway. I know we drove for a long time. <laughs> and we got there and uh, we came second. The two of us, six months before Eurovision, mm. Brendan Graham and I became second in Glinsk. I still have the little trophy. <laughs> it's like those ones you used to get years ago for your Irish dancing. You know, this ah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really gorgeous. It's the one of my favourites. I have it. That's one. That and the MasterChef one is out. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the funny part of it is like then he recommends me to Jimmy. Mm. And that's how. Wow. So the circle is full. So when Brendan won the year after me, I couldn't have been happier. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. And I knew Paul and Charlie, of course, which was really amazing. So yeah. such an amazing, actually more fun during that voting than my own. Because you can relax in a way. <laughs> I enjoyed that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, lads, I'm chuffed for you. <laughs> I mean, they won halfway through. I was raging because yeah. like, I had to wait till the very end. But, you know, it was le- it was less exciting. But You, you know, were great TV, though. Oh, best of. Yeah. yeah. Great for you. Yeah. No, not so great for me. <laughs> By the end of it, talk about him having a heart attack. I swear to God. I didn't care. I, do you know when I watch, I don't watch X Factor. Right? I don't watch mm. any of them, right? And because I don't necessarily agree with the concept because I think the people in it don't understand it's just TV. Mm. I, you know, I think if you get it and use it the way you want it, great. I think it sometimes uh, gets in the way of people's careers a little bit, which is a shame. That's mm. a, God, we have so many soapboxes to get into. <laughs> but but the thing is, when I see that kind of where they make you wait for the vote, mm. I think, God help us. Yeah. God you help us. You feel for them. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want, because that was, I just wanted it to be over. I didn't care who won. I didn't. I was just like, just let finish stop, it. Stop this now. Anyway, so that's it. And you never went back to the bank? No, I took a career break for five years and then I, I went back out of interest after five years. Well, if I came back, I thought maybe they'd give me my own branch or something. No, no. <laughs> Straight back into the old job for the same money. I said you're grand for that. If welcome, I was a, welcome back. I, I swear to God, if I was a gal player, I'd have been fucking managing a yeah. branch. Yeah, yeah. But on. will we just leave that there? <laughs> I'm not bitter in anyway. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, no, I never went back to the bank never did I'm dying to ask you about something we spoke about mm-hmm. in the embassy which is very close to my heart um, the Irish language of course of and course your connection to junior Eurovision era where we can see Neve currently oh, yes. on TG Cahir. Um can you tell us about your journey with that because this to me is absolutely fascinating what you've done okay. for junior Eurovision era okay so what happened was way back when they started it could be six years ago now maybe is it 2015 yeah around that time okay as well you were here (laughs) Uh, so I got a call beginning of the year now I often get calls random calls Neve, do you fancy going on to Agile Island like I'm a celebrity I'm I'm all right for that (laughs) fortunately I was about to have a child for that one but that's a whole other conversation Uh, can you imagine that that's reality I'm actually due the child around the time you want me on that island I think that's a reality nobody needs to see (laughs) anyway so the thing is, I got this call uh, from uh, the production company and they said, will you do, we're going to do Junior Vision. We want you to be one of the judges on the thing. I said, oh my God, that's amazing. Love that concept. Young people, tell me the concept, tell me what's going to happen. Loved it. All songs that they were involved writing, the young people originally mm. and whatever. And he says, now, just one thing, Neve, we need you to do it in Irish. And I went, 
are you joking? Are you, what? I said, Irish. I said, how many kids? It's about 30, 32. I said, I can't say Mohan Dolin or Mohan Bulli. You know, I can't say that to every single child. That's not going to be enough. I said, just Irish. Just Irish. So just Irish. I said, my Irish, I haven't spoken Irish since I left school, right? Which wasn't today or yesterday then, nor now, right? Uh, 1985, I left school. And I wouldn't have said I was a great Irish speaker at the time, right? Uh, certainly my Irish teacher wouldn't have said I was a great Irish teacher. <laughs> but I passed my Irish, it was good, you know, and I loved listening to it. I used mm. to listen to Indian Burke. I could have listened to her all day. I think it's the only reason she kept me in the class, to be honest with you. I loved listening to it, but I just, I think the way they used to teach it to us when they were young, you just, it blocks you. Yeah. Mm. And it's such a shame because when I, what happened that year, it changed how I felt about it so much. I wished it happened when I was younger, mm. right? So here's what happened. I said to him, look, because you know what I'm like, give me a challenge, I'm away. Right? <laughs> I says, I tell you what, my Irish is not good enough. However, I am prepared because I'm off for the summer. I go up to Donegal. I can get someone there and we can prepare all the stuff. And if you think I'm ha happy for me to do that, I will put the work in to learn as much Irish as I can over the summer in order to speak to these children as best I can in Irish. I said, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not an Irish speaker. There's a couple of fuckle in there like everybody else. Um, but, you know, it's a confidence thing. You don't you know what's in there, but you're just getting it out. Plus, I didn't talk a lot about performances in school. It was mostly about some madra. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I and I wanted to prepare things for the children because they were putting in all the effort mm. of writing the song and doing things. So I want to be able to respond to them properly in Irish, right? I didn't want to go in and go Mohan Colleen and that's enough, yeah. And smile at them. Gama. <laughs> you know. I'm You know, so the things you come across and, and so it was important to me. And they said, for God's sake, don't learn it in Donegal. Nobody'll understand you. <laughs> that's what they said. But they assigned me a girl in from T G Cahar, Fiona, wonderful girl. Mm -hmm. And me and her on the old mobiles back in the day, I was on the top of the sand dune because the service is terrible there. And what w I did was I would uh, write a few sayings and I would say to her, right, can you translate these mm. as best you can? Because they had uh, videos of all the kids auditioning. And so they sent me the audition. So I made comments approximating what I thought might be helping. Mm. So on the basis of the two stars and a wish, which is how I live my life. I don't know if you know yeah. about the two stars yeah, and a wish. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Very big thing. I love yeah. the two stars and a wish. It's like where you start too positive and then something you might do better. Yeah. So it's always a good process for, especially for kids, you don't want anything mm. negative. Mm -hmm. You just want things that are positive. Constructive. Constructive, yeah. exactly. But you can't completely go and say that's amazing all the time. Yeah. You, mm. have to, you have to be constructive. Yeah. So anyway, I put a lot of work into it. Right? Yeah. And we prepared this all summer and I'm on the top. The whole site was learning Irish with me on the thing, how to say it. <laughs> she says, I'll write it out phonetically. For God's sake, don't do that, says I. Put it in the real way because I want to be able to transfer it if I see another word. Mm. Similar, right? Yeah. So it'll help me learn quicker. That's just how I am. Even when I learn the foreign language songs in Eurovision, which I do, um, I like to see them in their original mm. language, which is not helpful in Swedish. I'm not going to lie, but, it, you know, but you give it a good go. Yeah, I give it a go. Yeah. yeah. So this folder here that I brought in, mm. 
is everything I've ever done on Junior Eurovision. Wow. So wow. all my Irish is there, all the cards oh my that I prepared stuff on. And every year it comes out and all of the contestants and everything about it. So I keep this and they laugh. They see the folder coming and ah. every year something new gets involved. God. And these are all the notes and how I learned. And so so when I look at it every year, I, it comes out, I put it back in the thing. And I, every year I say, I'm going oh, to go learn Irish. But I live in Belfast, so it's a very different yeah. intonation up there. And then I come back and I say, right. So then I read through the folder. So I get the he- Irish back in the head and then I go back in. And so when the others are talking, so so then, of course, a couple, after me doing that and sweating, sweating <laughs> through that five episodes of Holy God. Right. Um, and I wish I could show you there's one section that shows you basically what I prepared. So there's one. That's how much I prepared for one person. And then wow. as they were performing, I would add in extra things that I felt. Yeah, no, that would be more like what I would say. And I'd ah. say to so and so beside me, wow. how do I say that? And that's what I did for a whole summer and loved every second. And every single time I go back, they all joke about the folders back. <laughs> and this year I gave Brooke Scullion. All right. Yeah. I sheet out of my book, which is like a that's that's a seal. Gold, gold dust. Yeah. I said, you see that? That'll get you through anything. Because you only need to say one thing now in Irish mm. and then we're allowed to say English. right? OK, yeah. <laughs> After me smelling the book. <laughs> yeah, <say> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they made me I go through you. that experience <laughs> first. But I loved it. And I really wish I really wish I could spend quality time and have the confidence. Mm. Now, when I'm in around them, I start to get a little braver and I start and every year I go back, I, I adjust much quicker. Mm. But I need to be in it more. You you need to be in it and speaking yeah. Irish because it it's your confidence. It's not And people mm-hmm. are so into it and you can throw the odd English word in because obviously some words don't exist. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, it, what's wonderful is I look at it now and I go, OK, that's how I say that. I know how to say these words now. And I look and I go, my who Ashling Taglor Lord, you're a good August Kartu, Gulior Mohikan Sulierishin. And it becomes more and more, um, you know, come, but I also know what other people are saying, which yeah. is lovely. Yeah. So when they're talking, you know, I don't know if you ever watch the junior yeah. versions, yeah. which is a brilliant life affirming thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's the future because those young people are going to go on and be more positive yeah. mm-hmm. about the experience and hopefully it will reflect in the older section you know so the thing is they're talking in Irish either side of me at the speed of holy God (laughs) and the people on the the presenters are doing the same and so I'm going but I'm actually mostly getting the gist of everything they're saying because I'm picking up the odd words now we know that's a bit dangerous in Irish because (laughs) it only takes a tiny word for it to mean completely different (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're right you're right but you know you have to be very careful with all that situation but what I love is sometimes when I was talking to them and because I knew they did it mm. I would say that in the English Irish and then I would automatically translate it into English mm. for the kids because sometimes the kids don't have enough Irish yeah, either yeah, yeah. and I'm using quite high Irish here I know I am because they yeah. need it yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, the first year you know they said oh we had Jedward and I said well how is that Irish <laughs> <laughs> they are literally at least they could share the language yes they got words but you know I that's the level that's how I am and that's why I won't do Dancing with the Stars because <laughs> look at what I did that 
I'd be dead because <laughs> I couldn't cope with not half doing uh, it. I loved it. It was a wonderful challenge. That's amazing. Every year I get to revisit it. The energy and I think what they're doing is magnificent with Junior yeah, Vision. It is. Uh, I thought Sophia, Sophia Lennon did a wonderful job last year. Every year, Amy Banks still writes to me. You know, yeah. or I remember them every year. I love Orla McDermott. She didn't quite make it, you know, yet. You know, but mm. what a that girl. I, these people are still in touch with mm. me. Talents, yeah. I love watching this new talent coming yeah. up. Their energy, they're so beautiful. All the kids are just really lovely. Mm. And there's such a great representation. And, you know, up until recently, they did original songs. Yeah. Mm. You know, now it's slightly different, I know. And it's more about the voice and finding the voice and then the song. I appreciate it's difficult to maintain that level of keeping every song and making sure they're all produced. It's quite difficult. Mm. But, um, it is a wonderful life affirming experience and the fact that we do it Oscar is even better like yeah. it is even but I can't tell you how much I loved the experience yeah. I just wish I was better with my Irish because yeah. I'd love to just drop in and <laughs> and I have all of those lovely Can Irish too? <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> you know and you just want to you just want to have all this Irish fall out yeah. in that such a lovely way and it's in there and you go and it's a really musical language as oh, it's well. It's beautiful. It feels mm. beautiful in the in the mouth. Absolutely mm. beautiful. I was talking to, to Brennan Graham re- recently about this. I said, you know, I feel the need to source a couple of really nice Irish songs. But then I mm. saw that like they they did Luan Parlo, I love as as a writer. Mm. You know, the, on the Journey Eurovision, nearly every year one of them sings Ghost, which is such a lovely thing in Irish. And I mm. You know, so in my head, I'm going, oh, <laughs> what could I do with that? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not sure, you know, Don the Seul is going to be, <laughs> Leather Seul is, is really going to work. But, you know, it, it's it, to me, it's uh, kind of such a beautiful lyrical language yeah, yeah. that actually it's a shame we're not representing it more mm. in our lives. Mm. I know. You know, but I think, you know, people see it as a dead language, but it's not. It's, it's very really much not. TT Cahir proves. Oh, it's it amazing. Isn't. Yeah. And you watch it like, the, you know, the interesting thing is we were um, on the way home uh, from Clonakilty. I was in Clonakilty the weekend and my husband was doing some photography around Blarney. So we were really splurged out and we went to Blarney Wonderman's to stay for the night. It sounds very roundabout about saying, <laughs> but we put T.G. Cahar on and they were just whittering away. And my husband's from the north, so not a clue, right? <laughs> not a notion. He's desperate. No Irish <laughs> at all. He goes, hurdle a bird. Look, I said, move, leave the room. Anyway, so... Um, Get him the folder. Well, do you find it? The folder. No one gets this folder. <laughs> this folder is mine. Locked in a safe. <laughs> when I die, a Eurovision, that actually goes, it either self-combust, I haven't decided which one yet, or it, no. will, it will be sent to a Eurovision fan. And it looks like it might be you, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only interested in sending this to somebody who will appreciate what I did. I was going to say you should like auction it off for a Galen or something, oh but I'll God. take it. <laughs> look at this. I have cards for look at That's the stay in my mind. But I have cards from you know 2000, 2000. I'm sure there's more than those somewhere at home. Gorgeous. And I just every year and I'd say, oh, now I must sort that out next time. <laughs> and then next thing, it just goes in the thing, and then I take it back out, and they just laugh when they see the folder coming. They all I go. Know. They feel I I think I'd like to think they feel reassured when they see the folder. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm sure they do. Well, but Connor, we'll have to get you a folder. Yeah, because, I'm in the um, middle of uh, learning quail guff. Yeah, are you? how are you doing it? Well, through the podcast. <laughs> through the podcast. Are you? What's have... What's today's lesson? Oh God. We We can do a lesson. Oh, Jesus, I didn't prepare for that. Now. Where's my folder? <laughs> <laughs> Need my well, folder. We do a thing on the podcast called the Kyo Long Gras. Kyo Long Gras. So it's to do with Sandy Jones' song. 
Yes. But I have a little reference to Tell that. Us. Oh, go on. Because my father played saxophone with Sandy Jones on the road for a few years. Now, not on that particular, but he, he was. Stop. How funny wow. is that? Wow. So actually, I had a Eurovision connection. I never knew. Yes. Jesus. And she only passed away very, very recently. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah very recently. Ago. My dad's still kicking it around. He's flying. He's yeah, 86. Yeah, amazing. Throwing the head big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but he played saxophone with her for a long time and sang with her. And wow. that's really weird because uh, it didn't really come up in conversation. I knew he played in bands and then he'd stopped kind of when I met him. Mm. When, I, when, when I met him, obviously, it's my dad. But what I'm saying is, you know, when I got old enough to realise that he was he was gigging when I was young, but mm-hmm. uh, you're not aware of that he's just gone at night. You don't really think about it. Mm. Uh, he also worked during the day because that's the nature of the beast, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I was old enough to really be in it, Dad and I used to get in the car and go for hours. Uh, if he was going anywhere in the car, I went with him and we sang songs or we listened to the goons. So that was what we did. Mm. And so uh, it wasn't until much later that it came up in conversation. Wow. After your vision, really. So it was really weird. It's incredible. <laughs> so Kjol and Graal. Kjol and Graal. Yeah, so we do a segment where I give a phrase to Connor. I, I say it to him, ask Gaelga. Okay. And that it always has a reference to your vision. So oh. it could be like, um, maybe have your points, please, or good evening, Europe. Or it could be a lyric from your, a well-known Eurovision song that I translated into Irish. And then Connor tries... To decipher tries, exactly tries. And he's pretty good. <laughs> ah, and I always say to him, you know more than you think mm. you Oh, know. you do. It's all in there. But I had a similar experience with you in terms of my Irish in school. It was the way it was taught that mm. you didn't learn to love the language. You were just kind of... It was just another chore, really, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah, it was Whereas kind of I think it's slightly... You. The approach is slightly different now. But it, I mean, it's really difficult how to engage people because it's not... Hap- it's different if you're in Gaelgar areas mm. or if you're really lucky and you're in involved in a, a group of people who really get it. Yeah. You know, if you're not in that, it's not relevant in your space. I think if you watch TG Carr, you're right. It, or listen to the radio. Mm. You know, the thing is, if you hear the language, after a while, you will absorb it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to test me? Anish, it's a and written down okay. but it's going to be the Neve versus Connor oh, situation okay. oh, God. are we ready okay. okay here's the frauds the frauds Connor's like I can't believe she's like, worked <laughs> this into an episode with Neve Kavanagh but I love it I'm all about this she's doing her element here <laughs> it's checky all over I just want to say I just want to say I can't open that folder uh, <laughs> it'll not be fast yeah, enough I have no Irish notes in this. I have nothing without the folder <laughs> <laughs> unless it's about the that that's I have nothing <laughs> You may have an edge here, Neil. Okay. You may have a slight Come on now, bring on the dancing girls. Okay. On Will Chivray. Tom Ray. Tom Ray. Kerkler. Fraws on Shacht and Shot, the phrase this week mm-hmm. is Ida Hula, Feckham Nasil Now that's cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cheeky one. I know what it I is. I know what it is. I know what it oh, is. <laughs> I think you should sing it if you know what it I'm is. I'm not singing. <laughs> I can't do that. I cannot do Sing that. Sing the high notes, that, come on. Oh, God, that, that's disrespectful. That, that's like... It's not. No, it, it, if you knew how many... Oh, my God, you've no idea oh what God. people sing to me. It's like, not even funny. <laughs> you sing it first and then I'll sing no, it after. No, you sing it first. <laughs> Connor. It... <laughs> 
eyes. Connor. In your eyes. I see the light leading me home again. Beautiful. Forever. All the way. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm as high as I'm going at the moment. Over to Neve, over to Neve. Do it right. <clears throat> oh, I'm going to kill you, Lou. I know. <laughs> Loving this. This is a moment. This is a moment that you'll oh, never have again. God. Tell you. In your eyes, I see the light leading me home again. Don't cry, got it. <laughs> <laughs> when I cry, it's oh. for the lonely. When I pray, it's for the lost and strayed. When I love like there's no tomorrow. No more words to say in your eyes. There you go. <laughs> a mashup. Like a mashup, oh lads. That's an exclusive mashup. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't even know I was going to do that. Gahana, <laughs> Hanawa. Oh, oh my God. I think that's where we should wrap things up because this episode can't I know. peak anymore. Oh, my God. Um, Neve Kavanagh, curve me to me, Margaret. Oh, We've loved it. I loved it too. Talk grow more for gum. <laughs> Honestly, I just loved every minute of it. I'm really sorry. I talk too much. No, don't no, be sorry. We not. love it. We so need to have we... you back on. I okay. feel like we've only scratched yeah. the surface with oh, these. Yeah, there's a lot of scratching of the surface. <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure you want to go much deeper <laughs> because the mammy will be out. Oh God. <laughs> Before we let you go, what are you up to nowadays? I saw something recently about you were performing um, in nursing homes. It was today or something. Oh yeah, that? nursing home week. Uh, yeah. I, it was a it was a thing that was set up years ago. If you said that, like you'd think oh, our career's <laughs> over. Like that's tragic. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Gerald per- Gerald uh, Peregrine. Uh, actually, he wasn't a friend back then, but he has become a really good friend. Uh, his uncle was Frank Patterson. I don't know if you know him. You're too young. Right. He's a very famous tenor years and years ago all over the world, stayed in the White House. It's a whole shenanigan. Right. So the thing about it is he, during COVID, uh, was at home and for the first couple of months thought it was great he was off. And then suddenly raised he was bored. He's a cellist, beautiful cellist. And so he set up this thing called COVID Care Concerts and he got uh, Creative Ireland and all these people to sponsor it. And so what they do is they go in and they do concerts. Now, literally, they did them in during COVID in marquees outside in the Howling Gales, all different. So loads of people involved in it. Uh, so a group of maybe three or four, maybe five musicians go out, depending on where it is. And they perform 40 minute concerts in. You did 10 concerts in the space of four days or three, two days. And for musicians, that was a really big deal for the COVID, for the nursing homes. It was a really big deal because they were incredibly isolated. No, uh, nobody could go in and do anything. Nobody could come out and do anything. So it was very difficult. So that started during COVID and um, I came in on board, say, halfway through near the end of COVID, but they were still continuing funding this great. I mean, it's a magnificent thing and it's so life affirming to be involved in it. So uh, usually what we do is we go in and do a 40 minute concert myself, um, usually with Gerald, who's a cellist, uh, Linda O'Connor on violin and a pianist. And we go in and we sing songs, you know, songs you don't. And they play beautiful music that they would play in the the concert hall and it it enriches people's lives and it reminds me when I was growing up where all the generations sang together and you know there are moments in it where for instance a woman came up to several times actually happened to me but in particular this woman came up to me and said she hadn't heard her mother's voice for five years because she was non-verbal 
and yet she sang with me when I sang Moon River. And, And I think, you know, we forget but we never forget about music. Music mm. is in here inside of us mm. and a shared experience. So it's not about me going in to be Neve Kavanagh, although it is because sometimes it's quite special for them that someone off the telly is coming in. Mm. And I'm not t- to detract the wonderful work that all the musicians and entertainers who go in and work with them on a weekly basis. But mm. when they see someone, they recognize. So myself, Mary Coughlin, Sean Keane, mm. John Spillane, you know, all of these people turn up in their space in their front room, basically, and mm. sing for them, you know, and uh, it's a very emotional experience for them and for us mm. and fun because I'm all about the fun, you know, and after my first set of concerts and we did all the very high brows, you know, the cheek to cheeks and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and I said, next time we're going to do Country Roads. And they were like, what? I said, trust me, it's going to be life changing. Sure enough, everything, even the nonverbals sing Country Roads. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, as as an as a project, I am immensely proud of it. It's a bit like Junior Eurovision. It is probably the other scale, obviously, but people are enriched by the experience that the gift that I have that I can bring to that space, and that's important to me. So um, the other things I'm doing, obviously, is I'm touring myself. I have two different things going. I have my uh, the band Illegals. I do it with my husband, which is Eagles and Fleetwood Mac, and then I do my own concerts and things. I have been planning to record again but most mostly acoustic I like the idea of doing something where I'm not roaring at people for a change <laughs> and also um, I have several other projects that I've been approached but the other thing that I'm doing which I'm really loving is Agony Rants which is my <laughs> uh, my podcast <laughs> not that I want people not to listen to your podcast <laughs> but you can listen to both and it's fine and Garode Farley who's a comedian and myself basically try to solve people's problems, Mm -hmm. which we have no business doing, (laughs) like zero business, zero business. We have no experience, no thing. And it is a joy to be involved. So I love, love doing that. So I have a very full, busy life. My boys are grown. They're 20 and 22 and they're like allergic to their mother. So (laughs) I love it. And my husband and I play music together sometimes and then he does his photography and other work. And so I get to do fun things. I've done a lot of Eurovision things this year. Yeah. A lot of Eurovision things this year. So next year I'll probably not do so much. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, although Grode and I were talking about how much we'd love the night of Eurovision if the people who haven't gone to Eurovision if they wanted to come and watch Eurovision with us oh. and have the crack, it would be yeah. fun. I, ha- I have that kind of concept in my head. I don't know how we're going to do it yet. But it will be Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. fun. It would be so fun to do it. I'd sing a few songs, obviously. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, like you could twist my arm. <laughs> Only if they ask, of course. You know, if they really ask nice. But yeah, no, th- I've always got new projects. I'm mm-hmm. 55 this year and every year brings something new. And I, every now and then I say, oh, well, maybe I'll just chill back. Mm-hmm. And then I go, ah, sure, listen, wouldn't it be great fun to do that? <laughs> so I, and I love it when people come with new concepts and new things to do yeah. because it brings out something else. And, you know, It'll keep me young enough and moving enough and relevant enough, because to be honest with you, the way people absorb music and arts and all now is very different. So you mm-hmm. have to be hitting on many different levels mm. and different things. You know, it's just turning on the late late is not enough. Oh, that's a controversial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I God. mentioned I mentioned the word. <laughs> uh, so which I have no opinion on. Uh, <laughs> no comment. No, no comment. No, no, but you know what I mean? It's a kind of a thing. It's not it's a shame because actually there's not enough music on the TV now, mm. which I really object to. And, you know, I don't object to the fact that I get the call, but I do object to the fact that there's not enough outlets and mm. just rolling us out for no good reason is no and not enough either. I mean, I know it's marvellous when I'm on, but the thing is, there's so much new talent that mm-hmm. needs to get out there. 
And, you know, it's finding those ways out. And the other side of that, though, also is, you know, lots of people are finding it through YouTube and all the different ways that people absorb. Mm. The difficulty there is that they're not getting live experience. So their abilities in the live thing are not as developed, shall we say, as mine are, because that's where I did my work and still continue to do a lot of my work. So it is finding that happy medium between and finding what the industry is now. And I actually find that really exciting, mm. if if a little confusing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the truth. So yeah. it, they're all the things I'm doing, but I'm never not doing. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to me like I, I, I thought about Panto this year, but I'm just too busy. So, you know, I love to be the evil queen in Panto. It's the only role I'll consider because mm. it's the best fun. And yeah. you get to go home at the end of the night, Cinderella's in her dress for hours afterwards, getting photos. Only the weird kids want photographs with me. <laughs> I'd be mean you. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And But I quite like them. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because they want the full makeup and all. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. you know, I love the challenge of new things. I love that young people and in the industry being new energies in. And I love that sometimes they want me involved in that. That's great. You know, that's for me. And, and on the other side, I like to do my walk. And so I'm always doing I'm always doing something. Um, I'd like to be still for a little bit this year. I feel yeah. the need of it now. Yeah. Because um, there's quite a lot happening in the background in the family. So I need some time now. And I'm thinking this December I might just not do so much. Mm. But then somebody will come and say, will you come and sing? Oh, OK. Dancing with the stars? <laughs> what? Dancing with the no. stars? No. No. <laughs> 20 years, 10 years ago, maybe. Not now. So, yeah. Dancing with the stars, would you like to see me do it? Absolutely. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> No, because I have wonderful rhythm, but I have the worst coordination on the planet and I would need to be reasonably good. I don't mm. need to win it. Yeah. You know, I'd like to, but I don't want, I know. And the other thing that's, you know, Lycra, Lycra and me, not great friends. Mm. And, you know, sequence. I'm already, look, the rashes come up my neck. You, <laughs> I, I, you know, you know, even from the things I wore, I'm not really very flashy. Like I just, I like to be comfortable when I'm singing yeah. and doing mm. so. Yeah. And I dance lovely when I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't <laughs> need a partner. But some young fellow wanted me to put my arm here at this moment. <laughs> I'd freak me out. Especially if he wants my leg doing something different. <laughs> Too much to think about. Too many limbs. lads. Jesus lads. Oh, I might God. break. Oh, what happens if I break my hip? Like at my age I'll never recover. The national treasure. What no. would we do? Oh, I'd never get into the Auris if it disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Need you should run for president. Oh no. <laughs> do you Me know it's funny? President. Do you know what's really funny? Right? I was at the Oris one time, um, doing a, one of those afternoon things. You know, from, afternoon things. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was a lovely. Uh, you know, it was an afternoon uh, tea mm. that they were doing. It was a lovely time doing it, but it was really funny. Cause, oh, you'd be amazing! I said, first of all, my Irish is not good enough. Uh, I know you'd sort that out. Really. <laughs> but, actually, but the other thing is, you know, I think you should have some ground. Uh, yes, it didn't work out so well. You know. Uh, you need to have some grounding and mm. you need to know how to do it. I'd be amazing with the people, but mm. I don't know. I wouldn't have enough knowledge. And it's too much hoovering. <laughs> it's a lot of carpets. <laughs> have you been in the arse? There's a lot of cleaning in there. I'm not sure I'm happy with that. <laughs> I've barely hoovered my house this week. I can't cope. Get the dust around. I can't cope with that. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we'll be keeping an eye out. <laughs> if, I see, if I see it on the ballot paper listen you've won by popular vote before yeah. so both times you did really? yeah. and did that happen 
national final in 93 oh, yeah. and 2010 as <laughs> well. That true. national final, you've sweeped it. So. Yeah. Swept the board. Exactly. Swept yes. the board. Yeah. There yeah, you no. go. <laughs> well, well, Neve, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It is it. such a pleasure to talk with you. And we'll definitely have you back on again. Oh, we yeah. have to. Okay. And we'll we'll get right under the surface. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll scratch that. (laughs) Forget asking about the top some. Come on, who was the hell? No. (laughs) Right. Because we were very polite in this one. (laughs) No hard questions this time. (laughs) Just wait, just wait. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Thank you. Such a great joy. So there we have it, Gok, another one, <laughs> the only, Neve Kavanagh. What an icon. Oh, A lot of fun, legend. wasn't it, Connor? It was, and I got to apologise on behalf of myself for my horrendous singing in in your eyes. Yeah, I'm not a pr- not my proudest moment on this podcast, I'm afraid. But. Connor, you sang a Eurovision winning song with a Eurovision winner, like <laughs> literally sitting a metre from you. You sang it badly. Together. Badly is it important? It doesn't matter. You sang it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. No notes. No. No notes. No prior notice either. Thank you very much, Lou. (laughs) In fairness, now it was kind of both Neve and I who landed Mm. you in it. Like Neve was my partner in crime there. Yeah, but I felt like Neve was like, "Are you going to test me?" And you're like, "Connor, let's throw you into the mix." I couldn't exclude you. There was three of us there. I I would have happily sucked that one out. I would have happily sucked one out. Connor. Colin Grawl was born with the premise of you learning Gaelga and I will keep teaching you Gaelga for as long as we have the Eurovision podcast. Colin Grawl will live. And can I also just mention, I'm really upset that we forgot to do it in the first episode <laughs> of this season. Don't worry, Colin Grawl listeners, it has not died. We're easing our way in. We're easing our way in. Well, you kicked it off this season with a big one with bleeding Neve Kavanagh beside us. Whoop, whoop. Do you know what would make me insanely happy? If we're like out and about at some Eurovision event in the future and someone comes up to us and like just says a phrase that they learned or they <laughs> they heard through the Eurovision yeah. podcast, I think that could potentially make my life. There so um, if you ever pick up any Irish from this podcast, will you please tell me? Because that would make me invariably happy. I'd be prepared for the big scream that she will do into your face <laughs> once well, you say that. <laughs> it wasn't quite that, but it, like my reaction was close to that when we actually met Neve Kavanagh for the first time yeah. at the British Embassy party there mm-hmm. in April. That's where we first met her and had the pleasure of chatting to her. And it was a really kind of, it was a long conversation actually. Oh, it was we about 25 had. minutes, and I it, reckon. It was very natural. It wasn't like we never went over with the kind of the intention of like interviewing her just said, or whatever. Hello? We just want, we're like, there is Neve Cavanaugh. We have to go yeah. and say hello. She's a legend. And she was just so nice and warm and, and fun. And we all got on well. And then it was when in the embassy, she started talking to us about TG Cahar Jr., Eurovision, her involvement and her learning of the Irish language mm-hmm. that I was gobsmacked. I was like, will you please come on our podcast yeah. and talk about this? Because I just think, wow, like the commitment from her. Like, she could have just so easily been like, I learn three bog standard phrases and That's just it. speak the rest in English. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't bl- have blamed her for no. doing that, but it was just the commitment to the cause of like I want to communicate. She went to Donegal. Wanted. She didn't yeah. want to phonetically spell. She wanted, you know, the actual phrases that so she could take them in life with their, you know, the dedication. Fair play. Fair play. Absolutely what a gal. Brilliant. What a gal. Our Neve Cavanaugh. Thank you so, so much again. What a woman. Girl, many, many mahakos for your time. Thank you so much, Neve. And always welcome back on the Eurovision podcast. I think. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Hit with everybody. Absolutely. And for good reason. Yeah, totally. Right. Before we go, though, we want to say a few thank yous to a few listeners who kindly donated on our buy me a coffee if you guys want to do that you can head on to our link tree and it is there so before we go we just want to say a huge thank you to owen curran who said both of you work so hard on this podcast i'm always looking forward to a new episode to listen to three baby guinnesses is the least you both deserve and that's not the first baby guinness mention that we will have no can we just clarify also that like i i, I love to mention the baby guinness but it's more likely that the, the coffee's <laughs> We'll go, the, the, studio it time. will go towards studio time, exactly. equipment, uh, merchandise, mm-hmm. fees, whatever. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Our number one fan, according to her, oh. Rachel Devlin, a.k.a. your number one fan, Wink. Wink. She put on her name. I thought the Wink, the Wink's there. Wink. Yeah, she just wrote the word Wink. wink. Like, not even like not an emoji, emoji. It's, yeah. the, it's the Wink. Literal Wink. Great to have you guys back. Best of luck in your new season of the pod. Keep killing it. Shamrock emoji. Green Heart emoji. Thank you, Connor's sister. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. Declan Burke said, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Makes my long drives much easier. What are your thoughts on a metal hard rock song for Ireland? Maybe like The Scratch or someone. Thanks a million, Declan. What would you think to that? Love getting a question. Mm, Yeah, it's a nice... We're always going to address that. Nice thing. So fun. Uh, I love The Scratch. Absolutely. And what is it? Metal or hard rock? Yeah, like why Mm. not? Like... I don't think that's something we've gone near for Eurovision. So if it's a, a good song, why yeah. not? You know, there's an audience out there mm-hmm. for that, clearly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So why would we not? Yeah, and rock songs tend to kind of go unnoticed every year. Under the radar, like pre-season. I think that, you know, we have such a good rock and hard rock kind of background in do, Ireland. Yeah. So why not showcase it on the Eurovision stage? Like you said, when... Really, kind of etc. 2009 was the last one. I know you're not a big fan of the song. I do like no, it. No, but it's... we're talking about hard rock or metal. Oh, like, no, I know, I know, I know. But like, that's like probably going. the closest thing to like a rock song that we've probably oh, gotten. Jesus you know, <laughs> I love that song. Don't hate, don't hate. Anonymous, well, it's Mr. Eurobot says, Loving your work. Have a few baby Guinness on me, Mr. Eurobot. <laughs> With a unicorn emoji. <laughs> Mr. Eurobash, we love you and we will see you on see October you the 27th in Dublin. Have you got we your costume ready, Lou? It is on the way. Oh. I ordered it. Is yours ready? Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, it, I yeah think but the idea is there. It's not on its way, though. I need to. But the main part of it you already have. Oh, yeah. That's like the iconic piece, I yeah, guess, is there. Yeah, but the rest yeah. so of it, I need to figure out. Yeah. yeah. But we'll be fine. Sorts we'll survive. Will survive. Um, someone anonymous said, "Hi, Lou and Connor. Absolutely love the pod. Makes my day every time it pops up on the feed. The voice of the Irish people. Oh, my wow. God, have a few baby Guinness on me on the next Euro bash. That is really, really nice. The Thank voice you. of the Irish people. That's a big statement. So I, I think we're." We're two voices of many, but exactly. thank you so much. That's really, really yeah. nice. And a big thank you to Laura as well, yeah. who has supported us on there. So thank you so, so much, everybody. We yes, really appreciate, really appreciate it. it. And I'm loving getting stuck back into this Eurovision season. Yeah. It's very exciting. 
There's a lot coming up. Yeah, the be... Christian Borkman is back. We've had yeah, recent news. We, we said that in the we last did call episode it. or the whenever it was. I think it was one of the season one episodes. But yes, that was yeah. expected. Tomorrow, the time of recording this, so the day you're listening to this on release, um, potentially is the deadline for broadcasters as well to submit their intention to participate in 2024 at the Eurovision Song Contest. So we'll probably have big news, you know, who's coming, who's going, who's back, who's leaving, you know. I say there'll be a few surprises in there. So that'll be a bit of news. I'm sure there'll be other little bits bits and pieces now that we're into the new Eurovision season, which is exciting. But yeah, that's it for the moment from us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lou, where can people get in contact with us? God, where can they not? Um, (laughs) (laughs) We save ourselves a lot of time otherwise. (laughs) Well, on Instagram, which is probably our most active place where most people get in touch with us, Instagram is just simply Eurovision Podcast. Twitter, I refuse to call it X, is Eurovision Pod. TikTok, Eurovision Podcast. Uh, We're on YouTube. You can also email us, Podcast at gmail.com. Amazing. Yeah. So for now, I guess, that's it from myself and Lou. All there is to say is... Slog the phone. With me in Paris, on my shores in